0: and his righteousness and what the kingdom of God really is. Kingdom of God is not congregationalism. It's uh, uh not uh, a centralized uh, church entity. It's uh it's very unique. It's been preached since before Jesus Christ. It was preached by Enoch, is preached by Abraham, is preached by Moses, probably pre- preached by Noah. It is the right to be ruled by God. And, of course, in the Ten Commandments, we say, Thou shalt, you know, have no other gods before me, and not to make any covenants with those gods. And then we see the commandments, the guideposts, whatever you want to call them, stating that, you know, you had to honor your father and your mother, which means to fatten your father and your mother. Uh, To take care of your father and your mother. It doesn't mean just obey them. It means to provide for them. So that your days will be long upon the land. Because your children will provide for you. Or your nieces and nephews if you have no children. Or your friends and relatives of you know whatever distance from you. Will take care of you. And of course, in order for them to want to take care of you. They need to see you taking care of others. As you live your life. And then of course. Then we go into the second half of the uh, commandments. Talking about well don't steal. You know don't don't uh, uh, commit adultery. Which is not just sexual adultery. It's adulterating your body. Adulterating your community. Adulterating the environment that you live in. Any kind of adulteration would be. In there, I mean, if you look at things that we know are bad and you say, well, where would this fit under the Ten Commandments? It fits somewhere under the Ten Commandments. <laughs> uh, you know, if you know it's bad somewhere under the Ten Commandments, that bad thing exists because it pretty is comprehensive and you could reduce the Ten Commandments down to even less commandments because there is a certain amount of redundancy. I mean, obviously, nobody steals anything from anybody else unless they covet it first. And so, and of course, coveting your own goods, being selfish, not charitable. Isn't not being charitable uh, a sin? Where where do you find not being charitable? Uh, Somebody is uh, being threatened. And someone's about to kill somebody and you do nothing to prevent it. Well, you're a part of that murder. If they are murdered, you could have done something and you didn't. You're a part of that murder. That murdering of the individual. And so... Everything bad is covered by the Ten Commandments, but people do not quite understand the Ten Commandments. And one of the reasons they don't understand the Ten Commandments is they're already asleep when they read them. They have preconceived notions when they read them. And so we are asking uh, these questions about, you know, the doctrines, the teachings of people putting people to sleep. So what are they doing to put people to sleep? You know and and I, uh, I sent out a number of different uh, messages on this subject, and uh, and asked and we have a webpage up about being asleep, and it's part of the Dear Network messages, which we have a long list of, and are you being put to sleep spiritually? By seducing spirits, because they talk about seducing spirits in, in in the Bible, and it people are 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 being put to sleep spiritually. They may be walking around like they're awake, talking to you like they're awake, even saying that they are awake, but they're really spiritually asleep. They do they're not awake in spiritually, and so they do all kinds of things to try to. Make it feel like they're spiritually awake, and you know they. You you can see some religious groups. They you know the whirling dervishes. They go out and they dance until they have some sort of what they think is a spiritual experience. And people do it. You know, holy rollers. Uh, you know, people will gyrate and jump and sing and. And get the drum beating and get a crowd of people's, you know, traveling around in a circle and everybody's doing it together. I remember when I was uh, in the military and the first time we were marching in cadence, there's a certain exhilaration when you have, you know, a 100 men marching in cadence or or, uh, jogging in cadence. And singing in cadence. And you get this kind of exhilaration of energy. Because you're doing it all together. You're doing it all simultaneously. And uh, there's a certain exhilaration that comes. That's not the Holy Spirit. That's just conjuring up an emotional experience. And all these churches that do all this dancing and gyrating. They're not necessarily conjuring up the Holy Spirit. They're trying to conjure up a spirit. They want to think it's the Holy Spirit, but it's, it usually is not the Holy Spirit. And you can see, you know, you can go down to Jamaica and, and places where there's a lot of voodoo going on. And they do all that kind of stuff. But it gets, it gets you know, in Africa you see it. You see it in South America. But you actually see it in, in Baptist churches. There's a certain protocol you want to look a certain way and you want to be a certain way. But it's it's an emotional charged religious approach to seeking the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit listeth where it will. You cannot conjure it up with these gyrations and and uh, activities. There's other seducing spirits that are very soft spoken, and they're very quiet, and they're very peaceful, and they're they come about and they seem like really nice people. But they are entertaining, seducing spirits. And you'll see it popping up now and then. Well, maybe you won't see it. <laughs> you, have to, you have to have eyes to see. So how do you get eyes to see? How do you know where the seducing spirits are and where the false doctrines are? And is it is it the result of lots and lots of study? You go and learn Hebrew, and you go and learn Greek, and and you read all our books, or read all kinds of other books. Uh, is that going to enlighten you? Is that going to awaken you so that you will know the seducing spirits? Well, no, no, it won't. You you could study forever, and never come to a knowledge of the truth. So how do you come to the knowledge of the truth? How do you how do you come near? to Christ and the knowledge of the truth. Jesus says, Blessed are you, Peter, for you know this not by flesh and blood, has not revealed it to you, but my Father in heaven. It's revelation. So what was Peter doing that he had this revelation? Was he singing, dancing, jumping around? Was he, uh, you know, uh, practicing Torah? Well, he was practicing Torah, but not like the Pharisees Pharisees were accusing him of you know not washing right and not doing things right and and uh accusing his master so what was he doing that allowed him to receive draw near to God to receive this revelation? Well the Bible tells us although they don't always translate the words in a way that you can understand, and your ministers aren't telling you. Because they're brutish uh ministers they they're not really preaching the gospel. we have over forty forty three thousand denominations out there, and his holy church is non denominational. We have one denominator, and that's Christ. People wanted for years for us to write a doctrine. What's the doctrine of the church well that seemed to me uh, you know that isn't that already answered? The doctrines of the church are the doctrines of Jesus Christ. That's the doctrines of the church. And there is no other doctrines of the church. So, if Jesus didn't say it, it isn't an official doctrine of the church. Now, that doesn't mean we can't talk about all kinds of other things and talk about all kinds of things in relation to the doctrines of Jesus Christ. But Jesus talks about us keeping the commandments. And those are the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not covet. How many churches say it's okay to covet your neighbor's goods as long as you do it through the agency of government? Well, almost every single one of them says that. There's very few that don't say that that's okay to apply to men who call themselves benefactors, but only can give you benefits by exercising authority one over the other. And they can exercise that authority because you've applied for benefits or your parents have applied for benefits from these men who exercise authority. John the Baptist came preaching the kingdom of God at hand. And he said, if you need benefits, if you need assistance, if you need aid, that you are to receive it by charity alone. Not by force. Take nothing by force. But to do it by charity alone, and of course, James refers to that as pure religion. To not receive any benefits from the world, from the fathers of the earth, who ex- the, the benefactors who exercise authority one over the other, you're not to receive any benefits from them. But to receive only benefits that come by free will offerings by charity. We see the word charity in the New Testament. The Old Testament was free will offerings. And they describe these free will offerings. You know, the word tithing really isn't in the Bible very much. You don't find the word tithe and tithing very often in the Bible. But you find the word free will offering and you find the words offering, which is taken from the same word we see translated free will offering over and over again. And the first time we see an offering that was forced was under Saul and he was told that he was foolish for forcing that offering. Today, every Christian church, almost every single one of these 40,000 denominations, the people who congregate in them depend upon men who force the offerings of the people. Christ did not force offerings of the people. He would not turn his ministers into bread for him. He was empowering you to make choices. Unfortunately, those seducing spirits are around, getting people to make other choices. And the, it starts out really simple. It starts out a lot of times, seemingly very innocent. Oh, we want to follow, you know, the Bible and and the Torah. And you know, the Messianic Jews they they uh, they go and they study the Bible and they say, oh, we got to keep Sabbath instead of Sunday. And which is fine. But you can't worship the Sabbath, still worship God through the spirit. The the law is spiritual. So it's fine, whatever day you figure on using, you, you go ahead and figure that. But people wanna say, Oh no, if you don't do the Sabbath, then you're out. Was the Roman centurion doing the Sabbath? Jesus said he had more faith than anybody. He'd seen in Israel. He was a Roman centurion, for God's sakes. How was he so righteous that Jesus praised him? This good Samaritan. Why was he so righteous? Jesus had a different criteria for determining who was right and who was wrong than a lot of these other people. If you're determining who is right and who is wrong, By the day they gather, by the calendar they use, by the spelling of what they say is God's name, even though he is a God with no name. He's known by many things. He doesn't have a name. Who named him? Was he named at his christening, his birth? He doesn't have a name. He doesn't need a name. He has words or symbols of ideas. And if you start to worship the symbol, the word, you're an idolater. And there's a commandment about that. So anyway, where are we going to take all this? How do you know? It says in Ephesians 5.14, Wherefore he saith, Awake, thou that sleepest, arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. So, what does that mean? Arise from the dead? Because <laughs> Jesus talks about the dead burying the dead. Are you are you a messianic zombie? You know, I don't want to pick on messianic, you know, uh, Jews or Christians who are trying to follow the Old Testament. That's certainly fine if you want to try that, but you better be careful that you're not falling prey to seducing spirits that is creating. Because Jesus. Even though he did quote from the Old Testament all the time, he certainly wasn't preaching the Old Testament. He was preaching the kingdom of God. Now, he was preaching the Old Testament in a way, but not according to the interpretation of the Pharisees, who were keeping Sabbath in the days and using this calendar and and saying these words only. And But Jesus wasn't... He said they they got it wrong. He said they would know him if they knew Moses. And they didn't know him. But they knew Moses, or they thought they knew Moses. They had this doctrine. They had received seducing doctrines as well. And and that's kind of the problem of how how things operate. Is that people don't realize... That uh, they're falling asleep. They're falling into death. They're falling into condemnation. And they're not following the ways of Jesus Christ in any way, shape, or form. Well, I shouldn't say not in any way, shape, or form. They have a semblance. They look like they're Christians. You know, they do things and they're nice. They're nice people. And they're soft spoken or they're dedicated. They might even be charitable to some degree. But how do you know they're not seducing you away? I mean, we have this picture, you know, I've I've looked for artwork that uh we can use on the websites like preparing you that show, you know, Pharisees surrounding Jesus and they they look evil. <laughs> you know, they got an angry look on their face and you know, their hair's all bushy out and And they look suspicious. Well, you know, that's an artist's rendition. In real life, people who are seducing spirits and evil, they may look very nice. They may look very clean. And they may may have all kinds of wonderful characteristics about them. I mean, Satan has the power to appear as an angel of light. His minions, those who serve him, that serve the seducing spirits, he sends upon us. They can seem like really nice people too. But where are they taking you? That's what that's what we need to start looking at. We we need to start waking up to that. And so anyway, I I I, today I added a little verse to uh, our page on sleep, where it says that you know First Timothy. Four, one. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Now that's a wide range of what what which are the doctrines of the devils. Well, one doctrine of the devil is that you don't have to do anything to be saved. And that's absolutely true. You don't have to do anything to be saved because you are saved by grace. But that's a doctrine of the devil, too. Because the devil always uses the truth to seduce you away from righteousness. People who constantly, well, you don't have to do anything to be saved. You just have to believe. People who are constantly saying that I have fallen prey to a seducing spirit. Because why are you making that excuse? Don't you want to be a doer of the word? Well, don't you want to serve? Don't aren't you coming together to serve one another as Christ came to serve? You see, you wouldn't you wouldn't be making that excuse. You would be striving to do like as Christ said, strive. Christ said persevere. Christ said, not those who say, but those who are doers of the word. But we have this seducing gospel doctrine that says you don't have to do anything. Because you're saved by grace. Well, you are saved by grace. But if you aren't doing anything, you don't have any faith. Your faith is dead. And you're dead. And you're asleep to the ways of God. And if you can't see that, you need to wake up. Because you're a walking dead. So what are you supposed to be doing? What did the early church do? It created a daily ministration that took care of all the needs of Christians all over the Roman Empire and beyond. All the social welfare needs. And you see Paul taking funds from Jerusalem and Syria and Galatia and moving stuff back and forth when it was needed. Barnabas doing this. Others were doing it as well. They were helping one another out. Not just on a local congregational basis. You know, like the congregation on this block all helps each other out. And they occasionally go over and help out a congregation over on another street. Or in a, even in another town. No, no, no. no. This was a international system of social welfare. Able to move funds and supplies all over the Roman Empire. Because, I mean, there was some really disastrous stuff. Going on. During the early church days. Dirts here and there. And wars. And all kinds of stuff. Shortages of food. Shortages of money. And people needed help. And and you, and you see Paul taking stuff from Galatia. One of the poorest areas. And taking it to. I think he took it to Corinth. Was it to Corinth? or And uh, helping out from one of the poor churches. Well, assumedly, there were times when the poor church was helped out by other parts of this network of ministers. This was a kingdom. This wasn't just a local congregation. It was functioning, and it needed to function because things were going to get really bad. And Jesus knew this, and He was preparing His ministers to do this. And we're looking to help prepare ministers to do it and be prepared ourselves, which is why we created a website called Preparing You. But if you're going to cling to doctrines of devils and seducing spirits and not do the primary requirement of the kingdom, which is to love one another, which same word love is also translated charity. I can't help you. Because you put yourself in the world of the dead and you're supposed to be arising from being dead and start loving one another. Then God will give you light. Christ will give you light. We'll be right back to Keys of the Kingdom. Welcome back. I, I quoted from Ephesians uh, chapter five verse fourteen about awakening thou that sleepest. You know, and that chapter begins with be therefore followers of God. Now, of course now when they says be therefore you'd have to go back to chapter four and read why did he come to that conclusion? And he says, as dear children, and walk in love. That word love there is translated 27 times as charity. Walk in charity. As Christ also hath loved us. And hath given himself for us. An offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling savor. Christ sacrificed himself so that we might be free. That we might be saved, and it, but then he goes and talks about but fornication, and also uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named amongst you, as becometh saints. Neither filthiness and and, and foolish talking, and we have we can go through what all these means, nor jesting, which are not convenient. But rather, giving of thanks for this he ye you know that no whoremonger, no unclean person, no covetous man who is an idolater, well, who are the covetous men, people who desire benefits from men who exercise authority one over the other, who take from your neighbor so that they can provide you with benefits. That's a covetous man. Christians weren't just saying, I believe in Jesus. They were living a belief in Jesus. The they, apostles from day one were going and rightly dividing the bread from house to house. What bread? The bread that came to them by way of contribution from all those other Christians walking in charity. This is essential. You are you are foolish if you think saying magic words, special words, special ways of saying things, special ways of spelling things is bringing you closer to God. It goes on to say that in verse 4, neither filthiness nor foolish talking. It's not about words. It it talks about who is Uh, you know, who is an adulterer, hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ or God. None. No inheritance. If you're not walking in charity, if you're not giving regularly through a network of ministers providing a daily ministration on a national and international basis, you have not yet found the kingdom. And you may have no inheritance in it. That's what you're supposed to be striving for. That's what you're supposed to be working for. Let no man deceive you with vain words. Vain words. For because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Disobedient about what? Not taking care of one another. Not through faith, open charity. Your brothers have need, Somebody's injured. Somebody's sick. You don't even find out. You don't even check. Well, you say, well, I'm busy. I got to do this. That's why you have ministers. That's why you pick a minister. So that you're connected to all the other people that might be able to help you out. That's, that's how it works. If If you don't want to work at that network of the kingdom, then you're dead to the kingdom. That's the way it works. If you're gonna, if you're gonna be like the dead, then what can I say? You know when it says in uh, verse four where it says, "rather giving thanks," which are you know he talks about the uh, jesting which are not convenient, but rather giving thanks. That word "thanks" there is the word Eucharista. That's that's the Eucharist. That's what the Eucharist it's not about a little way for a bread, it's about daily charity. And when they talk about the covetous man and the idolater hath they don't have any inheritance in the kingdom of God. He says, Let no man deceive you with vain words. What does he mean? Vain words? What 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 is he talking about when he says this uh, idea of uh, being deceived by these vain words. Empty, empty, void, devoid of truth. There is no salvation in magic words, saying certain words, special calendars. There is no salvation in that. I'm not saying you can't do those things but if you think that somehow or other that you're more righteous or you're closer to righteousness because you, you've you studied these words and you've learned these words, but you have not charity, you got nothing. You've missed it. You've completely missed it. Christ came to sacrifice. If you don't come to sacrifice, if you come just to preach your vain words, you don't get it. And you have no place in the kingdom. You've been seduced by seducing doctrines, which is bad enough. Now, are you going out with those doctrines seducing others? You know, let no man deceive you with his vain words. For because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of Of disobedience. Disobedient about what? Because they didn't use the special word? No, because they don't walk in love. They don't walk in charity. They aren't taking care of one another. They aren't sacrificing to a network of ministers who come to serve. And it's really going to be hard to find those ministers who come to serve and are not self-serving. Because most of the ministers out there in the world are self-serving. We're not even supposed to be partakers with such people who do not walk in charity. If they're not going to be charitable, we're not even supposed to be partakers with them. We're not supposed to have anything to do with them. And so, you know, right away that that cuts out welfare, Social Security, uh, Medicare, Medicaid. Now, I understand that there's there's a transition in that turning around and going the other way. And I don't want anybody starving in the streets. But you have to actually turn around and start going that other way. And I cannot keep track of all of you, so we create a network. And Moses could not keep track of everybody, so he created a network. Of tens, hundreds, and thousands. It wasn't just for court. It was for charity. That's why you have the word tithing, which is simply the word tens. It's the charity of tens. That's what tithing is. You had ten families. Get together. Pick a minister. And their tithe is the charity of tens. It might end up being ten percent of what you produce. But we have people actually saying, oh, tithing was only agricultural... Uh, Commodities, you know, that is insane to think that. Where's the free will offering in that? That means that you work at Starbucks, you don't have to tithe because you didn't produce anything of an agricultural product. You sold an agricultural product, coffee beans. (laughs) It's crazy. But this is how insane we get when we Don't follow the spirit of Christ. We covet our own goods and we make up excuses why we don't have to share. Why we don't have to give. Why we don't have to walk in charity. Because we're saved by grace. But what grace have you if you only love charity those who love you? The whole idea of congregational giving, this tithe, where Ten families give, and some of that is given to people they don't even know. That opens up spiritual doors of the Eucharist. Giving of thanks. Thanksgiving. Thankful for the opportunity of giving. Not expecting anything in return. That's where you start giving in hope. In charity and hope that it will come back to you. You don't need to know... Well, you, you should have a network of ministers that are keeping an eye on each minister and keeping an eye on what they are receiving and producing, etc. You need to oversee one another. Watch each other's back and watch each other's actions. And police one another. And of course, that's what these verses are all talking about. And it talks about, for the fruits of the Spirit... Is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. That's how we become the children of light. We were in darkness. Now we need to get into the light. And you get into the light by loving one another. And by proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. That's what it says in verse 10. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. Those people who don't give. Those people who don't share. Those people who don't sacrifice. Those people who don't come together to serve. This is the unfruitful works of darkness. Oh, they want to study and study and study, but they do not want to come to the light. They make excuses why they don't want to come to the light. To the ways of Christ. Oh they got the ways of the Pharisees down. But they don't have the ways of Christ. It were are told. But rather reprove them. For it is a shame. Even to speak of those things. Which are done. Of them in secret. But all things that are reproved. Are made manifest. By the light. For whosoever doeth. Make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepeth, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. So these people who are following all these doctrines need to stop being fooled. They need to start walking in that love. Love. That's why he says in the next verse, See them that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. See, we're in that time where... All these denominations thinks it's okay to take from your neighbor as long as you do it through the agency of government. It's okay to covet your neighbor's goods as long as you do it through the agency of government. And if you've done this so long that you have no, no social welfare system in your society unless it is by men who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority. You can't take care of your sick, your dying, your ill, uh, your aged. I tell you, if you turn around and start going back to charity, back to love, and the ways of love, then you will have grace. But you have to actually go that way, and it's going to take sacrifice. It's not about getting out of paying your tally of bricks. It's about paying your tally of bricks and taking care of one another. I mean, it's long hours. It's a lot of work. But you don't think of it as that because you're motivated out of love. It's the old, he's not heavy. He's my brother. This is not hard. This is my brother. But those who don't walk in love, walk in charity. Are the dead. They may seem alive. But they are dead. To spiritual things. They try to conjure up spiritual things. With all sorts of. Rituals and behavior. That's not the way it works. And they need to repent of that. And we need to rebuke them. Reprove them. So that they begin to repent of that. And go back to the ways of Christ. And why are they falling prey to seducing spirits? Well, we're going to need to get into that. And follow that to its fruition. And find out where it is. Uh, You know, the gospel of the kingdom is uh, very straightforward. and, And the truth about the gospel is easy to understand. If we will only have ears to hear and eyes to see. The kingdom of God is... A kingdom. It is a government. It is a government that operates not by force, but by faith. Not by fear, but by hope. Not by compelled offerings, but by charity. Which is love. It goes on in Mark one fifteen And saying, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent, ye, and believe the gospel. That means turn around and think a different way. And what Jesus did was taught his ministers what they needed to do. And it was remarkably similar to what the Levites were doing uh, in the early days. Not what they were doing at the time of Jesus Christ, because we know Hoses was a Levite. And he left that Levite position and became a minister of the church and was known as Barnabas. Jesus didn't say, I'm going to take the kingdom away from you, change it completely, and then appoint it to those who would bear fruit. He said, I'm going to take the kingdom away from you and appoint it to those who would bear fruit. And we see him actually do that. And they became the new Levites. The church is the kingdom of God. It is, it is not all, the church is, you know, the, is a, it's a broad term, but it's the ecclesia, that called out, Ministers, they were called out, the Levites were called out, the apostles were called out to serve the homes of the people. We see them doing that, rightly dividing the bread from house to house. That's serving the congregations of the people. But those people who would not give, who did not have charity in their hearts, who were making excuses like the Lev- like the Pharisees were making excuses, they had no part in the kingdom of God. They didn't inherit the king. The kingdom of God was at hand. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. That is the gospel. That is the good news. We don't have to wait 2,000 years for it. The people who tell you. Oh no it was postponed. Because the Jews didn't accept it. Who are all those people at Pentecost? Those are Jews. They're accepting them. And what 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 is Pentecost? If you understand Pentecost. This 50th Day after the Passover is when people had to organize themselves. So they had a big gathering so that they would not only organize their local congregations, but their ministers could connect with other ministers and form that tens, hundreds and thousands networks, tens, hundreds, tens, fifties, hundreds and thousands networks. However you want to divide it up, it's basically a network network that was able to move large amounts of funds and supplies all over the Roman Empire whenever they were needed by faith, hope, and charity alone. You can't do that amongst people who will not share what they have, who will not give regularly. Oh, I only want to give when I know exactly where it's going to. Or, you know, I want to give and then I'll put a label on. Oh, I want this to go here and I want this to go here. Then you haven't given it up. You're manipulating. You pick a minister. You give to him. You watch what he does. If he d- does a good job, you give to him some more. Now, who are they giving to? You know, we have a, on the page asleep at Preparing You, we have a picture of a bunch of different ministers. That, that One's worth $27 million. I think that's Creflo Dollar. Another one, $42 million. Another one, $1 billion. Wow. You know, these are probably old figures. They're probably not accurate. (laughs) These men made themselves rich, tickling the ears of the people. Jesus was rich and he made himself poor. He wasn't born a humble carpenter. His father was a contractor whose uncle by marriage was the richest man. (laughs) one of the absolutely richest men in the Roman Empire, Joseph of Arimathea. And so the idea that Jesus was, you know, this is Mary's uncle. Joseph was not a poor carpenter. That, But Jesus, it did say, Jesus was rich, but he made himself poor. Paul tells us that. Why did he make himself poor? And when did he do that? And how did he do that? And why did he do that? Well, that's that's uh, very interesting. is because he was uh, to take John the Baptist's place. John the Baptist said, this is the one to come after me. What was, John's, what was John the Baptist's place? He was a minister of a network of ministers who were providing for the people through faith, hope, and charity and the perfect law of liberty. And he said Jesus was to come after him. Later on, he began to realize, wait a minute, Jesus, he's going to be king. The People are going to make him king. He's the Christ. He didn't know that at the beginning. That's why he had to send messengers and say, are you the one? Well we know it at the beginning because we come to the Bible with preconceived notions. But John the Baptist didn't know that. That Jesus was to be both high priest and king. He had to be in order to take the kingdom away from the Pharisees. And how did he take the kingdom away from the Pharisees? They said out of their own mouths. They they did it to themselves. We have no king but Caesar. Now some people are starting to come together in our network. And some of them are repenting of coming together in the network. Because we say that we need to see you walking in charity to believe Your witness. And they say, oh no, I don't have to walk in charity. You know, I've got these other things that show that I am a faithful person of Christ. You know, I've got the right calendar. I say the right words. I wear the right outfit. No. No. The fruits of Christ's love is charity. Charity. We have to see that. If we don't see that, we don't believe it's there. That's the witness you're giving us. And out of your own mouth, you'll say, no, I I remove myself. You will remove yourself. And out of your own mouth. This is what happened to the, the Pharisees. They removed themselves from the kingdom, said, we have no king but Caesar. Jesus did not have to excommunicate them. They removed themselves from the kingdom. And Jesus, being high priest and king, had to appoint somebody new. (laughs) And he did. Because they had removed themselves. They were out of the picture, they were out of the kingdom. The time is fulfilled. It all took place. Now what are you doing? You're following after the benefactors who exercise authority one over the other. Romans 13:11 and that knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. So he says, "Wait a minute, wait a minute. He believed, but now you have to awaken." Ah, that's amazing. You you actually began to believe before you awoke. <laughs> because God raises the dead. So now you have a chance to repent. Because you believe that Jesus is saying something. That woman who wanted to touch his garment, she believed. But she had not yet been healed. She had to turn her belief into action. The the estimation of that action is not all that important. But it has to be an action in accordance with the ways of Christ. To serve others. Not to seduce others, but to serve others. Not to fool others. Not to distract others. But to empower others to also awaken. That's the good news. The kingdom is appointed to the apostles was not just for the Jews, but also for other nations who would seek it and the righteousness of God. We'll be back to Keys of the Kingdom. back to the keys of the kingdom so we're talking about this being asleep and waking up and what's the difference between and how do we know if we're not asleep already that how do we know we're not the walking dead the dead burying the dead well we're very easily self-deceived and and that is that is a common practice throughout the ages so many people think that they got it and nobody else can tell them what's what and uh, that's the end of it. And they think everybody else is wrong. I mean, the churches, these 40,000, 43,000 denominations, they all think they got it. They can't imagine they might be wrong. And so, how do you know if you're one of those that are just self-deceived? or if you are one of the righteousness, one of the children of God. In Acts 15, 7, it says, And when there had been much disputing, Peter rose up and said unto them, Men and brethren, Ye know how that a good while ago God made choice among us, that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word, of the gospel and believe. And this is Peter. Peter who also said, you know, you know, Paul's going to talk to you about things that are hard to understand. Paul, my brother. And Paul refers to himself as the gospel to the other nations. Which is what Gentiles means, other nations. It didn't say other tribes, it said other nations. It's not just the other people, you know... Uh, you know, like the Danites and the Isaacs and all that. It's other nations, other nations of people that are blessed by Abraham because it was, you know, Abraham and Isaac. Isaac, you know, ends up producing through Jacob the 12 tribes. But there were other offspring of Abraham. And it's by faith. That you really become an offspring of Abraham. It's not bloodline seed. It's by faith. And so if you will follow the ways of Christ. You can be brought into that nation. That kingdom of God. But you have to repent. And you have to become like Christ. We have to see Christ in you. Seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. This righteousness of God would provide everything for the people so that they did not have to pray to or nor apply to the fathers of the earth and the nations of the world. And this is why he says, but rather ye seek the kingdom of God and all these things that the kings of the world would provide to you shall be added unto you they'll be added unto you you're not going to you're not going to be able to provide all these things yourself god's going to provide them because you are actually seeking the kingdom of god and his righteousness not the congregation you know your local congregation your local self righteous doctrines but the kingdom of god and his righteousness which is a kingdom that helps out people all over, Samaritans, Romans, everybody. But, of course, it helps them out in a way to strengthen them. It doesn't give food to the lazy. It gives work to the lazy (laughs) so they can earn their own food. Yeah, you put them to work. And if they don't want to work, then they do not eat. That simple. I mean, it's all there. But the modern Christian is blinded by the teachings of the modern church because they do not practice the charity, the love, the walking in charity, the walking in love of pure religion. Oh, they have charity amongst them, but it's not pure religion because everybody in their congregation is dependent upon the world. Now, there are a few exceptions to some churches that do not depend upon the world. For their benefits, but not very many of those exceptions. And then they may have their own problems, you know, their own rituals. But God is judge. But the fact is, I'm preaching the kingdom of God and His righteousness. I was led to do this. All that I share with the books that are all free online, the articles free online, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of audio recordings free online and uh and you can share them amongst each other. you can make copies and share them amongst each other. but there is no gain of grace until you start loving others still till you start walking in that charity. I mean, Jesus praised the widow and her might. It's not about a mount. It's about amount into relationship to, in relationship to what you have. If you're a rich man and you give a million dollars, but you have a hundred million dollars, well, what have you given? One percent. <laughs> Not impressive. <laughs> but if you're a widow and you give a mite and it's all you have, way more impressive than the million dollars of the rich man. So how much can you give? Well, how, how selfish are you? How unselfish are you? This is what pure religion is about. It's not about words and rituals and outfits and, you know, suspenders or any of that, long beards. And I mean, most people don't even understand trimming the corner of your beard. You're not supposed to trim the corner of your beard. You're not supposed to braid your hair of your woman. These were ways in which they could signify that we're a part of this group. Because we trim our beard this way. We're a part of this group because our women braid their hair this way. And you could tell, oh, she's one of them because she braids her hair like this. And it was a way to divide you. Not bring you together. So, we got people, oh, we use this calendar. We use that calendar. We got people who might say, you know, that uh, we we say Yahweh. We say Yeshua. We say Yarevahe, We speak Hebrew. We speak Greek. We, you know, I mean, like, this goes on and on. You're just dividing people. Do you walk in charity? Do you walk in love? Do you forgive one another? Yeah, when we get to this, who are fooled by these seducing spirits and where they come from, They have a common origin, which is, you know, Christ told us to do just certain things. To love one another, to forgive one another. If you don't forgive, neither will you be forgiven. If you don't forgive, you're going to be very subject to seducing spirits. That's what makes you subject. And you will be fooled by those seducing spirits. And then you, having that seducing spirit in you, will go out and fool others. Religion has become what you think you believe rather than the faith that compels your action. That faith is probity. It compels your actions. You have to be charitable. And you have to be charitable in a way that strengthens the poor. You have to be forgiving. I mean, you can't keep yourself from it. In 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4 it says, In whom the God of this world, that's small g God, of this world, hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of the God, big G God, should shine unto them. And this is this is what's going on in all these denominations with, you know, whether it, you know, I'm not going to name all the different religions. We have a page on denomination. You go and we list a lot of them. But it, there's only one denominator and that's Christ. There's only one doctrine and that's what he said. And Paul preached Christ first. But then when you see him talking about we and us, he's talking about people that have a daily ministration. An international daily ministration. Because right away, Paul and Barnabas are taking funds to another country. And why Paul, Paul was recruited by Christ. Because of his unique status. Not as a Roman citizen, but as Romeos. He was from Tarsus. His father was exempt. His father was Romeus, whole. In possession of his rights. He wasn't one of those subject, enfranchised citizens of Rome, like most of the Romans. He was free from things public. In 1 Corinthians fifteen thirty four, it goes on to say, Awake to righteousness. Righteousness is not form. Righteousness is a spiritual justification through the keeping of the law of love and the perfect law of liberty, allowing other people to make choices. All our ministers have a choice as to who they will serve and how they will serve them and who they will recognize as their congregation. And who they will unrecognize. And of course it requires that the individual recognize the minister. And if they repent of that recognition, they're out by their own words. Awake to righteousness and sin not. For some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. 1 Corinthians 15.34 The early church was not of the world. Nor did they seek. The benefits of the world. They often suffered persecution. In a, you know, the Christian. Conflict with other governments. And they chose. Even death. Rather than apply to the benefits of the world. Today the modern Christian. Applies readily. Under penalties of perjury. And oaths. And they seek those benefits. And they can't live without them. They are so dependent upon them. But now that's why we're saying, Arise, wake up. The dead must live again. But we can't make that happen. You must begin to walk in that love. And then God... Christ was always requiring something of the people before He healed somebody. Almost every single time he would ask, do you believe? Believe in what? Believe in the ways of righteousness. Do you believe in charity? Do you believe in love? Do you believe in walking in love? Do you believe in taking care of the needy, even those you don't know? Well, then that's going to produce certain actions in you. But the modern Christians seeking this emotional comfort of self righteousness and justification and the entertaining distractions provided by the watered down gospel of the modern church remain complacent in their strong delusion they they don't they, they oh they'll give to you know creflo dollar and and you know all these other ministers, which I can't even remember their names, but uh, uh, somebody Robert Ten, is it Tindale? No, uh, I can't even remember his name now. Uh, but I was getting emails from him, and it's the name of a famous preacher, and I don't know if it's him or not. <laughs> but he's been asking questions. Uh, but he's kind of fallen from grace. He doesn't preach. Uh, he he was multimillionaire preacher who. Evidently got in some trouble. And, uh, I don't know, somebody by that same name is writing me now and asking questions. But anyway, I'm not sure where where he's going with this. Most of the answers are on the websites as far as, you know, these technical questions about the kingdom. But the real answer is in walking in love and walking in forgiveness. And until you walk in forgiveness, you will not be able to walk in true love. You will not be drawn to sacrifice. You will make excuses why you don't have to sacrifice. Because you're not really saved. Because you're not really forgiven. And you're not really forgiven because you haven't really forgiven others. You still want to judge others. Or you'll say you don't want to judge others. But that's not what we see taking place. And and then there are those uh, who see the snare of the benefits offered by the world. You know, that that's what it says, that they you through your covetousness of their benefits, you will be made merchandise. And people will see that if I apply for these benefits and if I seek those benefits, then I will be brought and made merchandise in the world. And they see that. So they don't want to get those benefits, but they also do not want to become the benefactors who don't exercise authority. And so they say, I don't want the benefits, so I don't have to pay in anymore. But they neither pay into the kingdom of God either. They're, they're not friends with the unrighteous mammon, but they're not also not friends with the kingdom of God. They're not sacrificing one for another. Oh, they'll sacrifice for those people they know real nearby, and, you know, because they have to have some friends, because, you know, there's a certain gregariousness in us all. We're not total hermits. We don't all want to live down on the very end of the road where nobody will come and see us. But they don't really have, you know, Christ didn't come for those who loved him, he came for everybody in hopes that they would learn to love him and love the ways of righteousness. But he wasn't exclusive. Now, if you don't forgive, neither will you be forgiven. If you don't give, neither will you be given too. If you will not walk in love, you're the walking dead. They, Those people who don't take the benefits and maybe don't pay taxes either, they think they're exiting Babylon. You know, they're jumping ship, but they're gonna drown in the sea. They will not remain young forever. They they think they're exiting Babylon is they think that's synonymous with entering the kingdom. No, it's not. That's why Christ didn't start with, you know, get out of Babylon. He said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. In other words, seek that government that operates by faith, open charity, and the perfect law of liberty. But if you have no charity, you're not really seeking it very hard. (laughs) You're not really giving very much. You're not really unselfish. You don't really have the character of Christ. They're not really coming out of anything at all. They're just unfaithful. To the master they have. And so why would we think that they would be faithful with Christ? This is why he says, be friends with the unrighteous mammon. You know, fulfill the terms of that contract. Pay your tally of bricks. Moses said the same thing. You Just avoiding the benefits is not enough. Becoming the benefactors who don't exercise authority but exercise love... Is essential. That is putting on the character of Christ. Instead of, but if you don't put on the character of Christ, then you're going to have to put on, you know, oh, we're going to have this ritual and we're going to have this, you know, Jewish fable uh, and this this practice and that practice and these words and. But it isn't what Christ preached. They have no daily ministration. They have no appointed ministers who are following the. Requ- Criteria of Christ. Which was the same criteria that Moses put upon the Levites. Amazing. Isn't that interesting? Levites had to do it this way. The early church ministers had to do it this way. And yet people think, oh, well, the Levites were done away with. No. They called out. Levites were the church in the wilderness. And the apostles were the church in Judea. And the ministers who followed them, they were the church wherever they were. (laughs) They were the called out there. And their job was to serve the people in a kingdom network. But there's lots of reasons. The devil wants to divide you, separate you, take you apart from each other. And they do it with these doctrines, with these foolish doctrines. And we'll get into that more on the seducing spirits. They, But like I say, they make excuses through their private interpretation of the doctrines of Jesus and they do not make free will offerings, whether you want to call them tithes or sacrifices, according to the charitable practices of love and charity spoken of by Jesus and his appointed apostles. They don't want to do that. They think, oh no, that's all been done away with. And then they go on their merry way thinking that they're saved because they got the right words and they do the right studies and they, you know, it's not where it's at. That's the walking dead. Do the walking dead think they're alive? Yeah. God is the same today as He was yesterday. So His plan is going to reflect that same pattern. The Pharisees didn't see that pattern anymore, so they had constructed a whole network of uh, practices, interactions that did not bear fruit because they were devoid of charity. They depended upon the religion of men like Herod and Caesar Augustus. You know, because Herod built not only the temple in Jerusalem but he also built the temple of Roma for you know the Romans but they both operated the same way and had a system of Corbin where you had to pay in and then they provided you with your social welfare and the last thing you wanted to be is kicked out of that system a lot of people want out of that system but they just want out of the payment into that system And you know that's true because they don't pay into another system. They have no daily ministration. They have no ministers rightly dividing the bread from house to house. They have nobody that can take funds from, you know, Jerusalem to Syria or Galatia to Corinth. They don't have anybody to do that because they're out there doing their own little dance. They don't see the kingdom. They don't even see it. They're just dead to the vision of the kingdom. They only gather to bring people into their little coven. (laughs) I'll say coven. (laughs) It's not congregation. It's a coven. Loyal because we all do the same rituals. We all have the same chants. We all have the same spells that we cast. Oh, we use you know, messianic terms and Christian terms and biblical terms. But it's witchcraft. Because they're not walking in charity. They're not walking in sacrifice. They're not walking in love. Charity is always sacrifice. People say, oh, the sacrifices, daily sacrifices have been done away with. But then they talk about in the last days they they would rebuild the temple and there'd be sacrifice again. (laughs) But the temple is to be made of living stones. Not bound together with mortar, not, not hewn with rules and regulations, but people who actually come together and realize, my God, we need to love one another. But people aren't walking in that way. Many have it wrong. And they remain workers of iniquity. By application, by wantonness, or by sloth and non-participation. They go off and they be separate. But they're even separate from those who are seeking the kingdom of God and His righteousness. The purposes of the church and the gospel of the kingdom is not to make you feel good. But rather it is to do good and seek that righteousness. If you seek that righteousness, you'll be able to do good, and your ministers will be able to do good, and you'll be able to strengthen the poor amongst you. But if you will not give, then you are not coming in the name of Christ. If you will not sacrifice, you are not coming in the name of Christ, because Christ came to sacrifice. How long wilt thou sleep? Proverbs asks, way back in the Old Testament. Oh, sluggard, you know, those slothful ones who don't want to do it. They want to believe that they're saved, but they don't want to do the works of salvation. When wilt thou arise out of thy sleep, thy dead sleep? Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So, so shall thy poverty come as one that traveleth and thy want as an armed man. In other words, your want's going to come in a very powerful way. You're going to find yourself desolate, like the foolish virgins, locked out, knocking at the door, but you can't come in. Do not waste time. Repent. Seek that kingdom of God and His righteousness. So we we were talking about this idea in First Timothy four one, now the spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, that faith in charity, faith in love, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. What else does it say in First Timothy four one? That's just the first verse and and you even know that it has to do with the verses before in 1 Timothy 3 because it says now the spirit speaketh expressly he's he's said made established certain things in 1 Timothy 3 and now he's talking about the spirit speaketh expressly so he's telling you a prophecy and of course now we're in the midst of that prophecy we live that prophecy we're a part of that prophecy so what is that prophecy? What is it that we... What are these doctrines of the devil? He says, speaking lies in hypocrisy. Having their conscience seared with a hot iron. Something has caused their consciences... They, they don't see it. They don't see that they have doctrines of devils. They think they have the doctrines of Christ. But they can't see the truth. Because their conscience is seared with a hot iron. What does that really mean? Is there talk in the Bible about hot coals upon their heads? Yeah, we'll, we'll explain that when we come back to Keys of the Kingdom. Welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. Yeah, the Old Testament and the New Testament are testaments of the same God. The same way. The same practices. The same religion. But people worship their interpretation of the Old Testament. And they do not understand that Moses was telling you to love your neighbor as yourself. I mean, he told you to give drink to your enemy. He even says, if thy enemy be hungry, give him bread to eat. And if he be thirsty, give him water to drink. For thou shalt heap coals of fire upon his head, and the Lord shall reward thee. The Lord will reward you for giving bread and water to your enemy. All right, now, you have to read this in the context of the character of God. It goes on to say, The north wind driveth away the rain, so doth an angry continence, a backbiting tongue, does the same thing. We need to look at the gospel anew. We need to see it in the light so that we can Uh, follow the ways of Christ. And then, instead of the seducing spirits and the doctrines of devils, because most people who think they're Christians are following the doctrines of devils. And the doctrines of devils will repeat the doctrines of Christ. But they will take it out of context. They will not give you the whole truth, which is the definition of a lie. Is giving you part of the truth, but not the whole truth. You know, it's, it's not enough. And he says, speaking lies and hypocrisies, having their conscience seared with a hot iron because they don't forgive. See, that hot, those hot coals that it, it's only hot coals upon your enemy if he stays your enemy. If he does not forgive. If he forgives then they're not hot coals anymore. Your conscience is seared because you haven't really forgiven. You've been traumatized. You've been betrayed by others. And you haven't really forgiven them. And and in that part of you that you haven't forgiven, the seducing spirit dwelleth. And I see that seducing spirit Manifesting itself in you because you have not forgiven, you'd say you have forgiven, but it's not true, so you got to come up with all these other rituals and forms and everything that fall short short of this walking in love, walking in faith, walking in charity, because you have to substitute righteousness with self righteousness. So you go about and forbid people to do this, that, or the other thing, you know, and that's what it says in verse three, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats or this, that, or the other thing, which God hath created. And he goes on to say, you know, in the text, God has created to be received with thanksgiving, but thanksgiving with the Eucharist. And that's what you need to do is forgive. And give. If you only forgive but don't give, then what's the problem? You haven't really forgiven. Because when you really are forgiven, God forgives and enters into you. And you will not be able to keep yourself from giving. You won't need an excuse not to give. Because you receive the thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. The truth about yourself first. For every creature of God is good and nothing to be refused if it be received with thanksgiving. Again, the Eucharist. For it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. But it does the word of God live in you? You don't get the word of God by reading the Bible. You have to get the word of God by the revelation of Of the Father. The Bible is flesh and blood. It's words on a paper. You read it. You interpret it. You look up in the dictionary. Nobody reads the Bible alone. You had to read a dictionary. Before you could read the Bible. You had to learn meaning of words. And the meaning of words in the Bible. Are all over the place. How many times have I shown you. How one single Hebrew word. Or Greek word will be translated. 10-15 different ways. And several different Greek words or Hebrew words will all be translated into the same English word. Which, if you looked up in an English dictionary, has multiple definitions. So, how do you know anything in the Bible? There's a gajillion different interpretations. You can't know. Only flesh and blood is what you have unless you have the Spirit of God. It is only by the Father that you can interpret the Bible and know the truth. If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, this is what it goes on to tell us there in 1 Timothy 4. If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up, In the words of faith and of good doctrine, whereunto thou hast attained. But refuse profane and old wives' fables, exercise thyself rather unto godliness. Godliness is not these rituals and forms, this witchcraft. Uh, that if you say it this way, you do it this way, you do it in this form, then you get closer to God. No. Faith, hope, and charity, in the perfect law of liberty. Forgiveness. These are the essentials. Why do you come together? So that you can forgive. Some people were looking for congregations of saints. Why would you want congregations of saints? You want congregations of men and women who make mistakes so that you get to practice forgiveness for bodily exercise it says profiteth little but godliness is profitable unto all things having promise of life that now is and of that which is to come this is the faithful saying and worthy of all exceptions. This godliness is what Christ was. Christ was a manifestation of godliness. And he came to serve and to sacrifice. To give. He was rich. He made himself poor. He gave what he had away to others. They, everybody was hungry. They gave him fishes and loaves to eat. And he took them and gave them away. And you gobble them down. <laughs> what have you given lately? This is the point. This is the, how you seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Is through daily sacrifice, daily charity. And if you go that way, it will awaken you. This is the faithful saying and worthy of all exception. Acceptation is actually what... Acceptance. For therefore, we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God who is the Savior of all men, especially of those that believe. Somebody the other day was saying, you know, that uh, they believe in Christ. But they're signed up for every government benefit you can imagine. And they have no conscience about it. They think, Well, yeah, I paid in, I should get it. Some I know who haven't paid in, and they still think they should get it. And you can certainly go get it if you want, but you should be seeking the kingdom of God, and the kingdom of God doesn't operate by men who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority. It operates by faith, open, and charity. And so you say, I'm coming together to seek the kingdom of God, but you're not charitable. You're not giving. You avoid giving. You make excuses about not giving. You're not going to get the light to see the next level of the kingdom. You're not going you're going to wake up in darkness. You're going to wake up dead. Can you do that? I mean I've heard people there's I woke up dead. <laughs> yeah, you wake up to hell. And it will be too late and you'll be Knocking at the door and you can't come in. Because you've wasted your life. I mean, look at the parables that Jesus talks about. You know, the one talent, two talent, three talent. Uh, or it was four talent, I don't know. whatever the, the progression where one did nothing with what he received. The other did something and produced more. Seducing people away from a network of charity is not going to win you any points with Christ. It's going to win you condemnation. These things command and teach, he says. Let's go back again. For therefore... We both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God, not into the gods of the world, who is the Savior of all men, especially of those that believe. Savior of all men, but especially those that believe. These things command and teach. Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Till I come, give attendance to reading. To exhortation. To doctrines. Now he's talking to specific people. Till I come. This isn't Jesus talking. This is... We're in First Timothy here. And he's saying that he was going to come. He says, so you guys go ahead and keep studying. But studying what? And to what avail? To be examples of believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit... In faith, in purity. If you don't pick a minister, you should not gather with that congregation. If you pick a minister and decide not to have him as your minister, you should not gather in that congregation. As a matter of fact, you should not be allowed to gather in that congregation. That minister is not a ruler. He is a servant. He is connecting you to all the other ministers and all the other congregations. That's His job. You're to be taught of the Holy Spirit. We don't, we're don't. we not supposed to have to teach you these things. We will, but you should be teaching one another. In other words, rebuking and reproving one another. It's the Holy Spirit that ultimately will teach you. So, till I come in attendance, He says... Attendance to reading, exhortation to doctrine. Neglect not the gifts that is in thee, individuals, which was given thee by prophecy with the laying on of hands and the presbytery, which is presbyters, elders. That elders are the heads of your own families working together. Meditate upon these things, give thyself wholly to them that thy profiting may appear to all. But he's talking to people that are given to the examples in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. They're already congregating. They're already their own social welfare. They're already taking care of one another on a regular basis. This is what they're doing. And it says, Take heed to thyself and unto the doctrines, continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. It says, Rebuke not an elder, but entreat him as a father, and the younger men as brethren, the elder women as mothers, and the youngers as sisters. But again, he's talking to people that are living by charity. Taking care of not only their own congregations, but a network of congregations. He's not talking to people that are wearing a certain outfit or people that are, uh, you know, chanting certain words or songs or, or, or speaking Hebrew. He's, they, they might be speaking Greek. They might be speaking Celtic. Talks about honoring the widows and the needy of your society. How are you doing that if you're not walking in charity? But if any widows have children or nephews, let them learn first to show piety at home and to requite their parents for that is good and acceptable before God. You know, I, I know ministers who are out there thinking they're preaching the kingdom of God and they're collecting Social Security. And they had a conscience about collecting. They did They did. They didn't want to collect Social Security. They know the system is bankrupt. They know that any dime they take from it is not money they have on deposit, but money that will be extracted from their children and grandchildren and their neighbor's children and grandchildren. And they have lots of children that could support them and they don't need the money. And yet they think they're preachers of the gospel of the kingdom. And their eyes are darkened. Because they followed that way. Paul makes it clear that without charity, you got nothing. You got nothing. Why aren't they emphasizing? How many times do you find the word calendar? when you see them talk about keepers of days, they're talking about people who are talking about, oh, we got to have this calendar, we got to do this, we've got to count these days and everything. And you get a feeling of self-righteousness when you go through those rituals. But it is witchcraft. Christ didn't pay attention to that. He was actually called out by the Pharisees for not paying attention to that. Not emphasizing that. And then it goes on to say, Now that she that is a widow indeed, and desolate, trusteth God, and continueth in supplication and prayer, night and day. But she that liveth in pleasure is dead while she liveth. And these things give in charge that they may be blameless. You know, we people are playing games with this seeking the church and the righteousness of God. They're not following the ways of God at all. They're actually avoiding the ways of God. And, you know, on on the page, I, I, I put a section that is in bold. We were told from the beginning that the slothful shall be under tribute. Slothful in what? And that through covetous practices we would be made merchandise and surety for debt. We were told that in the New Testament, in the Old Testament. We're even told that through those same covetous practices we would curse our children with the same debt in the yoke of bondage under taxation of the world, tribute of the world. And we have done that. And that's where we're at. There are a few more covetous practices than socialism. And the world has been becoming more and more socialist every year. In every country. All around the entire earth. The modern Christian and their churches are in conflict with Christ. And his church. Because they are biting one another. Serving the fathers of the earth and praying to the benefactors who exercise authority one over the other. They are not coming together in charity. This is the works of faith. Wanting to come together in charity. Wanting to give. Wanting to set up a daily ministration that takes care of all the social welfare of the needs of the people. That is where you should be going. That is what it means to be seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Everything else is idolatry. Everything else is witchcraft. Everything else is is foolish women. Whether it be men or women it doesn't matter I'm just I'm just using biblical terminology here. Foolish virgins who imagine themselves righteous By things that have nothing to do with righteousness. Have everything to do with form. Which is again idolatry. The modern Christian has pursued. The same Corbin of social welfare. Which made the word of God to none effect in the days of the Pharisees. Since they have abandoned the way. Of the early church. To become the workers of iniquity. They need to be subject to tribute. They should suffer under that. And I would do nothing to change that. But they can change that by repenting and seeking the kingdom of God and His righteousness, which depends upon faith, hope, and charity and that perfect law of liberty. You have a right to choose who to give to. You do not have a right to choose whether to give or not. But you must give. You must forgive. You don't. Anyone who's offended you. You must forgive them. And anyone who has a need. And prays rightly. You should do everything in your power. To fulfill that need. And if you don't. You know, Now, you get to decide what that's going to look like or how that's going to be. But the minister gets to decide who he's going to serve and you get to decide who you're going to choose as your minister to connect you to make your congregation kingdom. Your home church is not kingdom. Your home church is isolated. You know, if you're Amish or whatever and you've got your little uniform. You know, uh, you're a Mennonite or you got to, you know, whatever your outfit is. That separates you. That's trimming the corner of your beard. That's braiding your hair to separate you out. The kingdom of God is not that kind of separation. All the kingdom of God is separating you from is unrighteousness, selfishness, uncharitableness, covetousness. Envy. Backbiting. All those things in the big long list that we're reading in Ephesians. That's what you're separating yourself from. Those who come to seek and to save that which was lost do not desire simply to be separate from the benefits of the world, the ways of taxation, but come together to serve others by laying down their lives for their neighbors, providing for our daily ministration through the charitable practices in sacrifice, which we see in the early church. That is what we would do. And those claiming to be believers and followers of Christ are not gathering to regularly and freely give and forgive to those near and far. There is no grace. There is no righteousness. Such people are not the children of God, nor the servants of Yahweh, but remain slothful workers of iniquity. Until we meet again, peace on your house. And may God be with you. God bless.